You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Trinity Church Denver. To find out more about Trinity, visit our website, trinitychurchdenver.org. Our New Testament reading this morning, uh, contrary to what is in the bulletin, is 1 John 1, 1 through 5. 1 John 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This is the word of the Lord. And our Old Testament reading is from Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, verses 10 through 27. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it, do not go on it, turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, they do not know over what they stumble." My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure." Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Again, if you didn't hear me at the start, my name is Ryan. I am uh, not our preaching pastor. I do care and counseling for our church. I'm a parish elder. And Brian is on the tail end of his study leave, so we will look forward to welcoming him back uh, this week. So let me pray as we get going. Lord, would you show us the righteous path this morning? Um, Not by my own words, but by what your word says. Would you show it to us? Um, Would your spirit fill us? 
Give light to our eyes that we would be able to see in this world how we are to follow you, how we are to cherish you. In your name, amen. Okay. So if you would imagine with me for a moment. Uh, imagine with me that there is an access point to God in this world. And if you go there, whether you're rich or poor, maybe to reference Justin Riley's sermon from a few weeks ago, whether you have a Ford 450 or a beater, an old beater car, you can access this place. This access point would deal with your anxiety, would do away with your depression, could fix your marriage just by arriving there. You could bring your children here and it would make them safe. These particular coordinates would give you eternity. And once people went there, they would then know how to end oppressive industries just by touching their feet on this holy place. They would find unforeseen opportunities for their own life. Economists would know how to fix the economy right now. Uh, world leaders would experience epiphanies of wisdom and, and bring their countries into uh, righteousness. That sounds pretty far off, but what if I told you that this were actually true? That the triune God of the universe has actually spoken an access point into existence in this world. While God has actually done this, a broad number of people in this world don't actually like it. Everyone in the world might have been largely friendly to this idea until they hear God's voice say that it demands certain things of them. That he asks real things of our lives. And they don't like having to go there. They don't like what it takes to get there. What it requires of us. So although this isn't a physical path, it's not a specific GPS coordinate, God has been speaking to us since the beginning of creation. And his voice can be heard clear as day. Hearing him doesn't require going to some remote mountain in the Middle East. Side note, I've been to Mount Sinai, or at least where archaeologists think this was Mount Sinai. And I'm very grateful that we don't have to go there to experience God. Um, Lots of camels. It's very dirty. Um, He is nearer than any particular mountaintop. His Word has been there since the beginning of creation, since before the foundation of the world, and his voice can be heard because he has spoken all of this into existence. So all of the bits of wisdom found in the book of Proverbs, it doesn't involve going to a particular GPS coordinate. Um, But rather... One thing we do hear in Proverbs 4 here is that it it does require the function of all of our physical bodies, all of who we are. You hear in this text that it requires our eyes, our mouth, our flesh, our feet, and our heart. In order to pursue wisdom, all of those things need to be in line with it. And so when you hear God's voice, there's a response that all of ourselves needs to give. So in closing out Proverbs for the summer, we look at a passage, and I was uh, given the title of the, wis- of the word, wisdom and the word. Uh, 
You, you may not know exactly what, well, what is this word? I uh, will answer that riddle as we go through it this morning. Um, and I have three questions for us to guide, to, to guide us in grappling with what it means to pursue wisdom with the word. So what or who is this word? First. Second, how do we look to the word for wisdom? And third, what relationship does the word have to the marching orders of the Christian life? So first, what or who is this word? If you've closed your Bibles, open them back up. I'll be referencing Proverbs 4, peppered throughout this sermon. So hear my son, Proverbs 4.10. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. What the father says to his own son here strongly resembles the exchange between God and Adam in Genesis 2. In God telling Adam that he could eat of any tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God was also telling Adam and Eve to accept his words that the years of their life may be many. If they don't hold to the words of God, they would surely die. So we know Adam didn't adhere to God's word, but so long as this world stands, what I'd like to draw out from this is that God has been speaking to man, and man must raise their ear to listen to him. So just as a son, a son needs to listen to the words of his father, like here in Proverbs 4, we need to hear the words of God, our father. And this father has spoken to his children. So how does God speak in this world? This brings us into the nature of God, uh, his essence and the three persons of the Trinity. In days where we, we largely just want to know how, how does God relate to us? How does he apply to me? We assume that the Trinity is just some, something for basic theology courses, uh, something for deep late night discussions, but it doesn't relate to my personal life. I would like you to bear with me in seeing that that's not the case, that the Trinity deeply matters for um, our lives and for who it is that we worship. Michael Reeves wrote a great little book called Delighting in the Trinity, and I want to read one quote from him on how God speaks into our world. In both the works of creation and the works of salvation or recreation, God's word goes out from him by his spirit. The Father speaks, and on his breath his word is heard. It all reveals what this God is truly like. The Spirit is one through whom the Father loves, blesses, and empowers his Son. And the Son goes out from the Father by the Spirit. So we have three things here. Three things I'd like to draw out from that quote. The Father speaks the word, and that word is carried by what? The breath of God, the Holy Spirit. So this is the dance of the Trinity. His spirit fills this world in such a way, a way that points mankind back to God's word. And this word, his son, seeks to then glorify the father. We heard this in 1 John 1 today. The word is God's manifestation of himself to us. So Christ is the voice of the father in this world. He made himself known uh, in different ways throughout the Old Testament and in the New he took, in the New Testament, he took on flesh. There is actual dirt 
and real water in this world, that if it cried out, it would attest to that they actually touched him. This word came and it paved a way that would lead to God. So reread the first three verses of 1 John 1 with me so we can all see this together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So especially when we hear hear God's words, one who is holy and righteous, we can trust that they will be effective words. Uh, that, That those words manifest truth. And they manifest his word um, so that we would be, um, it's, it's not just so that we would see some divine hand waving in the sky. It's far more than that. How are his words effective? John says here that the word made God manifest to man. Again, in, in verse 3, see this with me. He says, that. So you hear this word. So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So God has fellowship with himself and God made himself manifest. So we hear in John, 1 John 1 that we can have fellowship with him through his word. So... All of this is to say that this word is one who invites us to know him, to know God. The very essence of his character couldn't not speak. It's just, it's who he is. And what has he spoken? He has spoken many things into their very existence, but we focus now on how he has spoken and paved a path for us to have fellowship with him, with God. So this is why we sing the doxology every week. And rightfully so, because we are participating in fellowship, in praising, giving glory to the God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is worthy of our worship. So who is this word? That was the first point. It is Jesus Christ. And how do we look to this word for wisdom? The means by which we look to the word for wisdom can be found in the scriptures. So God has spoken in this world, but we have a problem. There are lots of words spoken in this world. There are many false words. The problem um, is that our culture today, even people who would say they respect this word, Jesus, would talk about him in lots of different ways. So right now, uh, Jesus has become a this idea of whatever people want him to be. They define him by whatever piques their fancy. My Jesus would be a lot like Mr. Rogers. Or he might need all my, meet all my needs. Or he might handle all the social, social justice issues that I think are important. All of the attempts to name the way to God on our own 
even with the label of Jesus, can be summarized in what is said in Proverbs 4.19. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So left to our own corrupt minds, we are in deep darkness. Uh, Back in college, I had the opportunity to guide some various wilderness trips, and I enjoyed doing some caving with high schoolers. And one thing you should know about caves is that when you get into the depths of a cave, it is more pitch black than any other kind of darkness. Even just being out in the city at night, you see lots of lights. But if you are in a pitch black cave, you don't even know what you're bumping into. You don't even know, there's, there's no straight path to be oriented by. There's no, you, can't, you can't remember your way out. Bump your head on stuff. And this is the life of all mankind apart from the word. Without the word, our lives serve and speak of profaned forms of God. So here is why Solomon in Proverbs 4 is calling his son to an attentiveness. The path that Solomon wanted to draw the eyes of his son to was not an aimless one. Solomon's own father, David, raised him in the fear of the Lord to hold to the covenant promises made to their family. Here was a generational call to follow one particular path, to listen, listen to the voice of God and form their lives around what he says. So this book, the scriptures are filled with stories about man stumbling through the darkness. This even includes Solomon's own son, Rehoboam. Solomon still knew that his, this path was one pregnant with many promises, even in their stumbling. His family stumbled in darkness and failing. But Solomon also knew that it was not by their works that they were meant to be paved, paving a path of righteousness. The word called their family line out of darkness, as it calls us. So whether we're reading the book of the law in the Old Testament, the prophets, the Psalms, the wisdom literature, the gospels, or the epistles, it all tells of the failings of man and the graciousness of God that upheld them. The pavement to this path was always one that was abiding in God's promises, holding faith to his promises. When God promised on his word, like he said something and he was going to fulfill it because he is not a liar. The scripture points us to the fact that this path has been paid for with blood. It's been paid for by his son, ensuring us to have fellowship with God. So we aren't uncertain of whether this path was laid out um, for us in a book like some kind of hand-drawn treasure map that we've received from past generations, and who knows if it's true. God breathed on his people so that they might be able to write an inspired word so that we might be able to be bound to this word of Jesus Christ, the one who is the righteous path. So you might have some confusion here. If you've been in the church for a while, what is the difference between the word... Jesus and the word, the scriptures. We're talking about two different words here. And that is the riddle that we are dealing with. His people, um, 
We're given a word, the scriptures, the spirit-inspired word, in order to give us an understanding of how the word, the Son, has paved a clear path for his people to take to the Father. So there are two things that we can do when we're confronted with the word, with Jesus Christ. We can either focus our eyes on what he says and cherish it and receive life in God by him, or we stay in darkness, or our appetites want to return to sin, to loving the things that God says are wicked. Again, Proverbs 4 says here, uh, there are some in, uh, this is verse 16, they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. So there's an appetite for wickedness apart from this word. The scriptures teach us to follow the word lest we continue down a path of wickedness. So the word points to the word and Now our resolve from that is that Scripture should direct us to depend upon Jesus Christ the way in all things, at all times, in all of our life. That's exactly what we've talked about all summer. Being in the book of Proverbs is that everything relates back to this. The following, um, I hope, would be a capstone to our time in Proverbs and to how we are to pursue lives in the Scriptures. How we look to scripture to guide our life back to this word, back to Jesus Christ and fellowship with God. So look with me at a few ways that he does that. When we have our noses in the scriptures, we study the way we should go. Proverbs 4.11 says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. The scriptures tell us what circumstances we can expect, things that come at us that we need to respond to, whether it's Satan's temptation, the breaking down of a car, a death in the family. There is a path paved that we are to follow. And it doesn't mean that we won't be faced with temptation, with expensive car fixes, um, with death. In all of it, we are made able to comprehend the path of a righteous man over a wicked one. So when you look in this, this book, in the scriptures, you find lots of protagonists and antagonists, all ultimately pointing to the main protagonist, the word, God. A good protagonist committed to fully taking on the role that they are living studies that role well. So to be a protagonist that depends on the word It means knowing what it looks like to be a righteous man on the stage of life. What it looks like to be righteous in this world. So abiding with Christ, we are to be characters who love to speak of God's wonders. Who love to be humbled in learning from him in this book. And one of the beautiful things about this book is that it it never... Every occurrence of God's word speaking is always telling the truths of God in biographies, in the lives of his people. Every account, it has some sort of biography attached to it. Circumstances that people, the people of God are facing, and here is who God is, what he asks us to do about it. The goal in opening our Bibles every morning isn't that we would know 
The stories um, is that, excuse me, is not that we would see how these stories relate to our own. Like, how does the Bible just always apply to me? But rather, how do I apply my life to this story? Wise creatures are those who are found living all of the colors of their lives in submission to Jesus. So the scriptures teach us how to sing to God in both major tunes and minor tunes. Uh, We learn what it is to stay on the path of God and what it means to to veer off. You see that over and over again in all the stories, all the different genres of scripture. So first, if we study the way we should go, we should second, also allow scripture to teach us to keep our hearts with vigilance. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So we are to know that our hearts have allegiances. And our allegiance should be to the word of life. We should expect that our own souls will be faced with decisions every day of who we are in allegiance to. Temptations to step off other paths of allegiance. And those temptations aren't just um, internal. There are external factors that cause us to look at other paths and say, oh, that, that actually looks a little easier. I might be hated for following the path of the word. So this seems uh, maybe a little more comfortable. But what is better? It is a, what is better is that a heart abides in the word, it's replenished in it rather than hardened to it, to its own destruction. So church, keep your heart in the word. We all know um, people who have walked away from this word. Presently, they don't walk with God. They are presently enemies of God. And this, this is not a distant point of application for, I know, for many in this church. We all know people This should be a call to keep our hearts with vigilance. When we know people who are faced with doubt, it says, why why would God send other people to hell other than those in my own Christian background, other religions? The struggle of that person's heart, it's not an intellectual debate. It's not just a struggle of the mind. It is a struggle of the heart for allegiance And we should pay close attention to it because when that happens, when we see people who walk down paths of destruction, it it should affect us. You, You should not be hardened to what's happening there for that person. It will pull the strings of your heart and we are to be attentive to where our heart wants to go in that. We're to pray to God. We're to examine why it is that I weep when a friend of mine is currently destined for hell. A heart kept for God should be able to have a place for weeping in it because we cherish the word and we want others to cherish that word. Because um, at present when a family member or a friend doesn't even have a care in the world for walking paths of destruction. 
we must remember that we are not above this. So keep your heart, church. The scriptures also teach us to consider our steps. We study the path. We've talked about study. We also keep our hearts on the path. And now we should ponder our steps. Look again with me at verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all of your ways will be sure. We believe that every verse on these pages, every week in the Word, every day spent living by the Spirit is a life that God blesses. And we are to ponder our steps in this life. We are to expect that our lives wield actions, steps. Um, Steps of righteousness, making our lives more pure to God's glory. So when we're in the scriptures each day, we assume that it teaches us something in that day's steps. We should assume that when I, when I put the word down, for my Bible reading in the morning, I have some kind of takeaway. I can maybe even, one suggestion of a practice, uh, be in the practice of writing down one thing. This, who is God? Who is the God that I read about this morning? And what does he say that I should do today? What does he say for my life? So write it down in order to ponder our steps. Are our lives also marked by prayer? Do we actually function in this dance, uh, in this fellowship with, invitation into fellowship with the Trinity? Our lives need to be marked by that. Proverbs 4.27 says this, Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So do our relationships, church, do our relationships and our work swerve off of this path? There may be corners of our lives that are an exception. Uh, I will stay committed to this path until I step outside of those doors. Or, when I'm just really frustrated with my child, I will follow the path until that breaking point. And then, there, maybe see a bit more of my dark side. We must consider our steps. Ponder every one of them as they reflect where our hearts are and if our hearts are actually changed by this word that we are to live after and abide in. Last, one great line from George MacDonald. Understanding is the reward of obedience. Obedience is the key to every door. So we should consider our steps, but we also need to take them. Our lives should have lots of steps. Um, obedience is, it, it teaches us things as we walk. And we've learned that, um, hopefully here in the Proverbs, that we both are are called to make certain steps, and as we make them in receiving God's grace, we learn from those, and we learn how to be opening more doors through an obedient life. Okay. So in closing, we've gathered to worship the sovereign God and opened our ears to his word in that we are saints. The path that we take is not a path of this world, 
And when we walk around on this earth, the word makes us into messengers. Messengers that tell of him as the word. His name should be told of in every corner of the earth. Solomon knew that the obstructions to a faithful path were many. That's why in the beginning of Proverbs he talks about the path so much. We too can get distracted by worldly paths. So God was not ignorant of these things. Christ's life, death, and resurrection have paved a way for us. And he did not leave us to find paths by ourselves, but has filled us with his spirit so that we would be able to stay the path. To live lives that hunger after the word, that echo what he says. As people of the word, what do we have to do but respond in this moment? with coming to the table of his grace and singing songs of praise. Let's pray. God, I pray that this, um, the reality of who you are would hit us as we leave, um, as we take a communion together this morning, that reality of you having invited us into fellowship with you would be one of joy and feasting. It would be one that calls us to make steps. It would be one that makes us into a church who, who looks more um, to glorify you, to, to sing of you, to never get bored of doing that. Lord, would your, would your spirit fill us um, like the light of the dawn would be, we'd be more and more living on the righteousness of your path. Pray these things in your name. Amen.